0: I want to say that it's good to be back with you. Uh, had a good lunch, enjoyed the day very much. It was very good to be in your midst. Hopefully, we've had some things to say that, that you'll be able to use and might be able to help you as you go along life's way. This afternoon, I'm going to be kind of a fish out of water a little bit and out of my comfort zone an awful lot. Uh, this morning, I talked about some things I knew a little bit about. I'll talk to you about tonight, this afternoon, something I know nothing about, and that's being a godly wife. I don't have a clue, to be honest with you, what it's like to be a godly wife, or any kind of a wife for that matter, or a mom, or anything like that. So we're going to have to rely on what the Scriptures say and the Bible teaches. I, uh, I'm i a follower. I believe in 1 Corinthians 14 when it says, let the women keep silence in the churches, but really wish he'd have put a clause in there to suspend it for this. And maybe Angie or Bev could talk on this particular subject this afternoon. Some of you other ladies that know a little bit more about it than I do. I do know some things about the godly wife. In in Proverbs 18, verse 22, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And then if you look at chapter 19 and, and verse number 14, Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers. A prudent wife is from the Lord. You know, whenever we do weddings and, and we're doing the wedding service, and I've got a young man and a young lady that are wanting to become husband and wife, one of the things I remind that husband is she is a gift from God. And that's the way she ought to be treated. Now, I know we don't always do that, and sometimes we forget that as husbands. But a prudent wife is a gift of the Lord. Of whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Because his life is going to be richer. His world is going to be better. And he's going to have that stabilizing force behind her. If she's a godly woman. That's going to help him through life. I remind you all that Adam. Lived in the garden. The paradise of God. Without Eve for a a while. And that the animals passed by. And and God found that there was. There was no help meet for Adam. And, And God said I've got to do something about that. And. He caused Adam to go into the sleep and, and he took the rib from his side and created the woman. And the Bible said brought him unto the man. So I've always had the idea that the very first bride was given away by God himself because she was a gift to God or to, from God to Adam. And Adam looked at her and said, She shall be called woman. This is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken from the man. Now he turned into a husband on her in chapter 3. When the Lord said, Adam, what is this thou hast done? He said, the woman that you gave me <laughs> caused me to eat and, di- and do this stuff here. No, Adam, you, you did that on your own. You know, the Bible says that the reason God wanted men to lead in the church is that Eve was in the deception and not Adam. You know what that tells me? Eve was deceived. She was lied to by a very cunning and subtle creature, and she fell for the lie. Adam knew good and well what he was doing. He did it on purpose. And I've always wondered why. You know, and maybe at that moment in his life, he realized, I don't want to live without her. I want to be with her. And he knew the consequences. He knew what God had said, but she was that important to him because God himself had given that woman to him. And husbands, if we treat the wives like a gift from God, like the precious gift they are, we're going to get a lot along a lot better in our lives and in our marriages. I want you to know that. But these ladies are if you have a godly wife, you have found a good thing. Now my dad was one of the great marriage counselors of all time, and he he only said one thing to me about when I was going to marry Beth. He said, "Son, here's what I know about marriage." He said, "If you marry the right one, there's nothing like it. Because if you marry the wrong one, there ain't nothing like that either." <laughs> And I'm going, how do you know? <laughs> you know? I got very fortunate, very lucky. I didn't go over scriptures and, and all that. But I knew the character of the lady. And I liked it an awful lot. And I believe that is a gift from God. And life has been richer and better because of a godly wife in our, in our home. Since I don't know anything about this subject, and I've already told you that, I got to thinking, what am I going to tell the ladies about being a godly wife, particularly the younger ladies, that they can do that would help them and and maybe give them a little bit of guidance along the way. I want to share with you Titus chapter 2 verse number 3. And young ladies, I want you to know this is terribly important for you. The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Now look at verse 4. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The best thing I can tell young ladies to do is seek out some of these older women. And by older, I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about been there, done that. That's what aged means. Been there, done that. They've gone through what you're going through. They've experienced in the past and lived through what you're living through, and young ladies, all I can tell you is find godly women that are older that have done that, that have experienced it, what you're going through, and seek their counsel and seek their advice and listen to them. They won't lead you astray. Now, if you look at all these things that God wanted them to do, one thing He talks about is to love their husbands. I thought that love come naturally. We just fell in love. I thought love their children was something mamas could do naturally. You know, I'm not sure about that from a worldly standpoint. I'm, I think sometimes people mistake lust for love, and we fall in lust, and then when that's gone, we don't have anything. Biblical love is not the same as worldly love. How to treat a husband, how to treat your children, how God wants you to do things, is not going to come natural. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so ladies, whenever you want to know what to do to be a godly wife and a godly woman, a godly mother, seek out the counsel of those that you know and trust that have been there, done that, and they can tell you what you need to do. Bev and I have a deal, and, and I used to think it was because we were such great counselors. Now I realize the truth. That is the young people that are getting married, they will come and they want, I've got this registration thing with the state where I can send their a certificate for them and they did premarital counseling with us. And I thought it was because I was really good at it. Turned out, if you don't, it's $149 for your license and if you go to me, you can get it for $39.95. <laughs> and so that may be a lot, the reason that they're doing that. But when I was sitting there visiting with these young couples, when I first started this, something was missing. Something wasn't working. And I realized I'm not getting through. And, I'm doing, and I was reading and I was studying. And I kept thinking, these kids deserve better than me. Because I just seemed to not be able to get it. And so I was drinking coffee one morning and I was reading in Titus. And I read these verses I just read you. And I realized, I don't know what it's like to be a young woman fixing to get married. I don't know what it's like to be a young mother. Or to deal with a cantankerous husband. I don't know what that's like. And Bev was over in the kitchen doing something. I looked up, but there's somebody that does. Now when we do it, we do it together. And I found that it's a whole lot more effective because she's been there, done that. I don't know how many times I can tell you the phone has rang, and it would be one of the girls, and they're talking about one of the kids, and they're talking about a fever or they're talking about something not going right. and, And she goes, well, here's probably what's happening. Younger ladies seek out the counsel of these older ladies, these women that have been there, done that, and know what they're talking about. You will do yourself well and you will be, if you don't get nothing else out of this, you get that because they can help you with what you're going through, whereas somebody like me probably, probably cannot. Husbands, wives, love your husbands. Obey your husbands. There is a set of DVDs out there, and I normally don't do this, but I use them an awful lot. I've, Bev and I have watched them many times. It's called Love and Respect. And he asked the question at the start of it, what's the number one thing a woman needs from a husband, and what's the number one thing that the man needs from the wife? The woman needs love from her husband, unconditional. That means, we go, well, she may not deserve it. It doesn't matter. The Bible said husbands love your wife. It didn't say love her if she deserved it. Love her if she always makes you happy. You love your wife because God commanded you to unconditionally. And a man needs respect, and that's what the verse reverence means, from the, the wife. There's a song out called Charlie's Shoes. It's not out. It was a hit in 68. <laughs> that's pretty recent for me. Music died in 72. So, but, it's about this guy that was married to this woman and she was perfect in this other fellow's eyes. And Charlie had it together because he had her and he had everything with golden thread. And one day, Charlie left her. Oh, what great fortune. And he moved in and took over. And he goes, these nights in Charlie's shoes are killing me and I wish he had them back. Because everything I dream, she tears it down. And maybe it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be from the, from the outside. Husbands need respect from the wife. Not, not conditional. Well, he's got to deserve it. He's got to earn it. No, the Bible didn't say that, ladies. Just like it said, husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husbands. There's a, a story that they tell in the video and the DVDs. that really gets me. And it talks about, this fellow goes, I have CEOs of companies in my congregation where he's a preacher. And you can understand kind of what he, what he's talking about. And he says, they're miserable. Their wives come in and talk to me about something going on. And they, they don't, he goes, well, they don't really respect him. Even though when he goes to work and all that, he's this thing, he's this power broker and all that. And he's respected there, but not at home. And he goes, I was driving down the road. And there's a couple that goes to our church. They don't have two nickels to rub together. They're just getting started. He's got an old car he's always working on. He said, I went by, and he's under the car working on it, and she's sitting in a lawn chair filing her nails. She's not saying nothing. She's not doing nothing. She's just sitting there watching him. And he goes, I realized he didn't have a jack. He was holding that up with his chest (laughs) because his woman was beside him. And he goes, she was wiser than all those educated women that I deal with. Because she was respecting her husband. Ladies, that is the sign of a godly woman. And no, you don't come by that naturally. And no, he's not always going to deserve it. And sometimes he can't earn it. He's going to mess up. But the Bible says you reverence your husband, and that's what the older women were going to teach the younger women. When we get to the virtuous woman, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Mom is the teacher and the guide. And yes, the daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. That's their teacher. That's their mentor, their model, the one that they look to. Sometimes when I preach this type of stuff, it almost comes out that I'm talking to young men looking for the right kind of wife. I don't mean it to be that way, but it sometimes does. When you look at a godly woman, who are the women she looks up to? You know, I got to thinking about this, and I was trying to think of extremes, and it come on the TV. They did a deal about Mother Teresa, and y'all remember her. She did good things and all that, and then they did a deal about Bonnie Parker, (laughs) You know, if her, if her hero is Bonnie Parker, you might want to look into that just a tad deeper. You know what I mean? Who are, the, who are these, these older women, these younger women are looking to? And ladies, who are you looking to? You know, when I was growing up at a very young age, I didn't look to football players. I like football. I love football. That, all my kids will tell you that. I didn't look to basketball players and singers and athletes and all these kind of people. You know who the guys I really admired were? And I don't know why. It just, it was the guy that got up on Sunday morning and would preach the Bible. And I would tell my dad, that's the guys I want to be like. Well, I'm sure ladies have role models. Who are the role models that these ladies want to be like? Now, I hate to tell you this. Bev should have listened to it. You want to see what a man's going to be like? Look at his dad. I find myself turning to the dark side often. (laughs) Going, my goodness, I can't believe I just said that. That's something my dad would say. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you want to know what the lady's going to be like, look at her mother. What's mom like? It makes a difference who they're looking up to and who they're following. Those of us that are older, and you know, I don't know when that thing, you know, at home that we're we're going to have a trash pickup, and the young people are going to pick up trash. Do you know who the young people are at home? 62 and under. (laughs) There's a reason. I get to set the A's for the young people. So one of these days, maybe I'll be an older one too, you know. But you older ones, these younger, who, who did you look to? And do you emulate them? And can these younger ones look to you? In 1 Peter 3 and 6, Abraham, Sarah. Sarah obeyed Abraham, even calling him Lord. Now the concept of that was respect that she showed her husband. And I want you to think about this. One of the things I love about Beverly Kay is, and, and Mike can probably relate to this some, is I've drugged her all over the country. I'd come in on a Friday and say, Pack up, we're moving. Jeremy can remember those days. We start somewhere next week in a new town. We're going to work with a different congregation. And she would pack up, and here we go. You know when we went into the full-time work, we had a house, we had two new cars sitting in the garage and all that and everything was going really good and then Jay and Ty come through and ruined my I mean got me into preaching. And I told Bev, I said, "What do you think?" And she said, "I think you ought to do that." That was what she wanted too. I said, "But what about all this that we ju- we just bought all this stuff?" And she said, "We can sell it too." We did, and we moved to a place in a little small community outside of Plainview, Texas, where for 30 days she had no running water. Now, Abraham comes in, and I want you to picture this. Now, Bev has been great with that, but I've never done this to her. He comes in and goes, We need to pack up and sell out. Why? We're moving. Where are we going? I don't know. Now, how do you know when we get there? The Lord's going to tell me. How do you know the Lord wants to do it? Because I heard the voice, I heard voices telling me we ought to pack up and leave. Now, as wonderful as Bev has been about moving around, she's probably going to want just a tad bit. Maybe Abraham had a tad bit more information than we're given. But the the scriptures read as though Sarah said, okay, that's what you want to do to follow the Lord. That's what we're going to do. We're going to pack up and we're going to leave. And I'm going to follow you. I don't know how on board Sarah was with sacrificing Isaac or if she was kept in the dark on that program. I'll leave that up to you. But she put a lot of trust in this man that followed God. Whose daughters you are, the scripture finishes. If you do those things. Respect to a husband is like air that you breathe. And a wife can either build him up, or tear him down. You know, when everything goes right, I don't need it too bad. But when everything's falling apart around me, that's when you need it the most. Just something to think about. Godly women are committed to Christ. I've always thought it was interesting that the Macedonian call, the first one he run into was a woman, Lydia, over there in Philippi. In Philippians 4 and 3, Paul admonishes the brethren that Philippi... To receive those women which labored with me in the gospel, from the first century to this century, there are women that were committed to the cause of Christ and labored in the gospel. Now I'm going to tell you something. One of the thing's Bev's done is made a lot of beds. She's housed a lot of people that I bring home. I drive her nuts sometimes, but she she always and she. She gets back at me because on Sunday mornings we have to get up early and clean the house because I'm likely to invite anybody over. <laughs> and she always says it. She sat in on a hundred Bible studies that we've done. They labored in the gospel. You know, the Bible tells leaders of the church how their wife's supposed to be when you get to First Timothy 3. A wife can qualify or disqualify her husband from being an elder or a deacon. That's how important she is to it. Is she committed to the cause of Christ? Now, in Acts 16, when Paul gets over there, he meets Lydia and a group of women that are having prayer on the Sabbath by the, by the riverside. Ladies, a revival of that part of the world is fixing to take place because of a godly woman. Paul talked about the Philippians once and again sending to his necessity. You reckon the seller of purple had anything to do with that? You reckon Lydia was involved in helping Paul spread the gospel? That's a godly woman. Her cause and her commitment was to Jesus. In 1 Peter 3, I want to read the entire reading that Peter gives here, starting in verse 1. The Bible says this, Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Your chaste conversation is your manner of life. Sometimes women became Christians and the husbands didn't. But the husband could be won because he could see it, Christ in his wife. Who's adorning, let it not be the outward adorning, plaiting of hair and wearing of gold and putting on of apparel. He's not against those things. But here's what he says is important for a godly woman. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid. With amazement. And then he talks about what the husband's gonna do, and you'll get a different sermon on that down the road. He talks about how the wife can win the husband by her chaste conversation and her manner of life. But you've got to be committed to Christ. I've often believed, and and to my shame, I suppose, there are times that I believe that Beverly was far more committed to the work we were doing than I was. But if she's committed to Christ, is she dedicated to the family? Now Proverbs can be rough on women, so I want you to know this is the Holy Spirit. Romans nine, now Romans Proverbs nineteen and thirteen, a contentious wife or as a continual dropping. The other night there was a rainstorm come through, and we have a windy unit. Yes, we like it really cold. We have central air. And we have a window unit and two fans. We like to pull covers. <laughs> but right, you continually off the house onto that air conditioner. You know, if I do this long enough, it's going to get on your nerves and my, th- my finger is going to get sore. So we're not going to do that anymore because it gets on our nerves. He said a contentious woman is that way. A godly woman is not a contentious woman, but rather a woman that seeks peace in the, fa- in the family. In Proverbs 14 and 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house. But the fool plucketh it down with her own hands. Women can build up the family or they can tear it down. Because of the kind of spirit and the nature and the way they treat their husband and the way they treat their children. Proverbs 25 and 24. I used to hear the older brethren Quote a lot of times, and they thought it was funny. I'm going to tell you what, it's a truth. Better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a, with a brawling woman in a wide house. It's better to live in the corner of an attic than in a big wide house with a brawling woman. A godly woman is a woman that builds up, not tears down, that supports and doesn't destroy. She's not contentious. She's not brawling, not always spoiling for a fight. You know, there's an old joke. If a guy says something, woman's not around to hear it, is he still wrong? <laughs> I wonder why that guy got that saying. You ever wonder that? Where'd some of that stuff come from? Because maybe some had lived in those situations. Ladies, you can determine what the men in your life are like and what the, the kids are like. Now, let me tell you something that's hard to do. And you ladies have been spared this. You know that verse that says, let the women keep silent in the churches? And this has happened to, I think, maybe I'm the only one that's happened to, so I shouldn't speak for everyone in here. Have you ever got up and things go south on you on a Sunday morning? And you're really aggravated at the wife, and she's really aggravated at you, and she's told you exactly how sorry you are, and you have the lesson that day, and it's on virtue. (laughs) And with all that going on and turmoil in the family, you get to get up and tell everybody else how to live. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how difficult it is? Ladies, you can build up or you can tear down. Now, I know sometimes we're going to have conflict. Sometimes it's going to be on Sunday morning. And yes, he was sorry. And yes, he does have the lesson on being virtuous. Maybe we could wait until after he got done with that. To tear him down. You see my point, don't you? Women can drive the family either to build it up or to tear it down. Old elder told me one time, he said, I want you to know something, son. Right after Bev and I first got married, he said, you're the head of that house. And God expects you to be the head. And I said, yes, sir, I'm, I'm trying. He said, but I want you to know she's the neck and she's going to turn that head. <laughs> Yes, women have a role in the family. Don't you kid yourself. They have a powerful influence on that family. And it can be one that's good or one that's bad. If you follow the instructions, like we talked about this morning, you will be able to build that house up and everybody that's in it and make it a a place of praise. When God saw Adam and he saw him in the garden, and he saw that he was alone, it's not good that man should live alone. I'll make him a help meet. Now, I've often in wedding ceremonies, rightly or wrongly, you may agree or disagree, say that we've kind of changed that help meet word to mean soulmate. And when a man finds his soulmate, he's found a good thing. And he's found a gift from the Lord. Help meet more properly, is equal to the task that God has for her, for her husband and her family. And I have found over the years that if God has given you a help and you don't listen to her, well, you can wind up doing some very foolish things. Sometimes these ladies can be the anchor and the rudder. Now, Bev and I probably are the epitome of this, believe it or not. My nature is to just jump in with both feet, and I'm a little bit on the aggressive side. I'm not eloquent in speech. I come to you with great plainness and rudeness of speech. Bev is always the one that will to sit back. Let's take a look at this. Let's make sure everything... Don't step into... Don't You know, she steps into the water one foot at a time instead of diving in with both feet. Or even head first, which can be bad if it's not deep enough. If you get my drift. And there are times that... I, things will go on and I'm going to go here's what and she's going to go calm down. Here's what you need to do. I've learned to listen to that kind of advice. I want you to know that. I want you to know that I've learned to listen. Proverbs 12 and four, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. I'm a patient fella. I want patience and I want it now to be honest with you. but I've got a patient wife. And one that's kept me out of from doing things probably and saying things that I shouldn't say. Sometimes uh, I'll go, what do you think about this? And she goes, I probably wouldn't word it that way. (laughs) Have you ladies ever done that with your husband? I probably wouldn't word it that way. You might want to try and then at times like that. Every now and then, though, we've sat in a situation where I was amazed at what I was hearing. And she goes, you need to say something. That's discretion, that's wisdom. That's a help equal to the task. A wife that is a godly woman will make her husband a better man, especially if he's seeking the Lord. I would not be here with you telling you this stuff today, and so you can either thank her or blame her if it was not for my wife who taught me the gospel and who has helped me along in the work of the gospel and in the work of the church. And she will tell you I make mistakes in the work of the church, and I have. But she knows where his heart is. And she knows what he really wants to do. And a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. Now, in Proverbs 11 and 22, so is a fair woman. He talks about a jewel in the snout of a pig. I was not really going to read all that part because that's a little rough on so, wait, it, it, you get the pictures, The jewel in the, snow, the pic- So is a fair woman without discretion. You know, a very, very important thing for a godly woman is discretion. You know, Bev is around and has been, and I know Carrie has been, things to do with church that are very sensitive. And I don't want to see them on Facebook. I'll just be honest with you right now. And they better not be tweets going out either. Discretion is a very important thing that a woman has. When to say it and when not to say it, and what to keep to herself. Now, these women that live with evangelists and elders and deacons and people that are involved in the work of the church, they're going to hear things. They're going to know things. And they just can't help it. They have to have discretion if they're going to do their job. Or they'll tear their husband down in a heartbeat. But he says, so is a fair woman without a discretion. You know, there was a song, and Bev hates this song, and I don't even know the title of it, but it says she's a Barbie doll, but she has no heart at all. (laughs) She's real good looking, but boy, there's something missing. Maybe we ought to look to the inner woman instead of the outer. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. And that brings us to Proverbs 31. I am totally fascinated with the 31st chapter of the book of Proverbs, ladies. And I've been more fascinated with it in the last few years than ever before. And I'll tell you why. Verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. We read about the virtuous woman and we just naturally assume, or I always did, and I'm sorry if I'm the last one to the party, that Solomon wrote all the Proverbs. Solomon did not write all the Proverbs. There is no King Lemuel in the history of Israel or history of Judah. You won't find that. Lemuel has a meaning that I've now forgotten. If you know it, that's great. And most of the scholars believe that what it was was, it was a word that was given and used about Solomon himself. If that is true, I want you to stay with me now. The fascinating part about it, the part written about the virtuous woman was written by Bathsheba. Now, we all know about Bathsheba, don't we? And her little run in with David. And I've often wondered because David was the king, you know, you never read about Bathsheba, God being hard on Bathsheba. Maybe she didn't have a choice. Maybe when Nathan said, "You have a guy that's got all the all the 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 sheep, and you got a fellow with one," maybe he was excusing Bathsheba's part in this little adulterous affair that they had that killed Uriah, her husband. I don't know what God thought of that, but she was married to a man named Uriah, was a man of honor, and she had an adulterous affair with the king of Israel, who had her husband killed so he could marry her. And this is the woman that is writing about, if this be accurate, a virtuous woman. And maybe she would know the difference. One thing I've often felt from reading this is since we do know whether it was Bathsheba or not, it was a woman that wrote this chapter. And that tells me something, fellas, boys. You listen to your mama. Because mama knows. We sometimes can't see beyond the hairdo and the makeup and the clothes. Mama can. And a wise son will listen to his mother when it comes to women. Because she knows. But keep in mind that what I'm about to read you here, and we're going to read this chapter real quick, was written by a woman To her son. Now you mamas. If you were going to tell your son who to look for. Wouldn't you give him this kind of advice? Isn't this the kind of woman you would want him to have? Start in verse 1. The words of King Lemuel. The prophecy that his mother taught him. What my son? What the son of my womb? What the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for a princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert judgment or any of the afflicted. You need a clear head, son. Stay away from that stuff that takes your judgment away. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that are of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb, and the cause of all such as are appointed to the destruction. You know what he's saying, she's saying? Son, stay away from stuff that's going to cloud your judgment. Don't pervert the judgment, and you stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves. He'd be a good man, wouldn't he, if he listened to mama? Open thy mouth, judge righteously, plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ship, she bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengthen her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good; her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. <coughs> she stretcheth out her hand to the poor; yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow, for her, her household, for her household, are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceit, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Now, you moms with sons, isn't that the kind of girl you want your son to marry? Isn't that who you would look after? A woman like this that had that kind of judgment, was not idle, took care of her family. She wasn't afraid of the snow. Her family's clothed in scarlet because she had the wisdom and judgment to look after them. They will rise up and call her blessed. And her husband also. A godly woman is a gift from the Lord. And if you've got one, you need to thank God every day for her most important thing is, is she dedicated to serving the Lord? Will she hear his commandments and do them? Because that's the foundation of life. If you're here and we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.